Tom Harper to cut to the board and the post through the park the other side of them. As always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello, Claire. Hey. And Pete. Alright. This week we're going to talk about the greatest military blunders in history. That's right, it's a history episode. Might be a two-part. It's not my pick. You'd think it'd be mine. It wasn't. I had it on my list, but I didn't get it in time. Yeah, this is on This is on Mike. Mm. I bet there's some right royal fuck-ups, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's really some right royal fuck-ups. Probably literally as well. Yes and no. In a roundabout way. Yeah, this was just a few royalties. You can bet royalty in charge at some point, yeah. Certainly elected officials or military people who should know a lot better. Mm. Right, well, thanks for moving to the misters and then we'll crack on. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook at Cutting the Bull in the post Truth Apocalypse. You can follow us on YouTube at Apocalypse Bull. And it's SoundCloud and Spotify and most other podcasting platforms as Cutting to the Bull in the PTA. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, message the page. Maybe there's an episode you want to hear. I don't know. I'm not psychic. I don't know what you're thinking. I assume it's something erotic. <laughs> Normally. Yeah. Just thanks for new returning listeners. Right, so where should I start on the list? Rio de Janeiro. Mm. Obviously Brazil. Melbourne in Australia. Manchester, UK. Los Angeles and Lawrenceville, both in the US. Kiev in the Ukraine. Nice. Someone under Russian fire has been listening to us. Fair play. Wow. Keep the hopes alive. It's worth it. Alive. Yeah. We're with you, brothers, sisters. <laughs> yep. Dublin, Ireland. Camden and Birmingham in the UK. Greenville and Greensboro. I don't know if they're close to each other. No. Well, well I've got the states on this now. Oh. In the US. Frankfurt and Maine in Germany. Stevenage in the UK. Guadalajara, Spain. Top is Ashburn. Thanks, Ashburn. Virginia. So, yeah, thank you very much. As I say, spread the word. Tell a friend. As long as that person's semi-conscious, add their, you know, use their phone. <laughs> and even if they're not, in, subscribe to us. Even if they're not, just go for it anyway. You're not, you're not causing any harm. Well, unless you're the one that made them semi-conscious. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't chloroform people and then edit. And then subscribe to yeah. us on their phone. That's what we're saying. There's laws about that. I Mike think. knows all that other day. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly do. Right now. I'm going to start in a semi sort of furthest back and then I'm going to work forwards in history. I haven't gone all the way back. I mean, I could have gone for King Thrug of the Mountain People's Mighty Victory over his buzzard Prince Zhang in, <laughs> in, in the Olympic <laughs> Times. I don't know, but I could have gone for that. I could have gone for the Battle of Marathon, Athens versus the Persians. Ooh. But I thought, no, I'm going to start with the Romans. Because everyone loves a Roman. I expect, at least once a week, I think, man, the Roman Empire was awesome. You've been listening to Bloody Radio 1? Have I? Have you? No. <laughs> I don't listen to, Claire, I don't listen to Radio 1. No, it's just the way that you went. I've been thinking about the Romans. I was listening to Radio 1 this week, and, Pete, and one of the questions they were asking is, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Yeah. <laughs> oh. it, it appears that when they've done like a, a poll, yeah. men think about the Roman Empire once a week at least. I, I would oh. probably go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I'd I go with that, like, yeah. yeah. I'd go with that. I can't remember the last time I thought no. of the Roman Empire. No, I don't know what you mean. The yeah. last time I thought of the Roman Empire was probably when I was watching Gladiators. You know what I mean? You don't think, you sit down and think, man, Rome was fucking ace. <laughs> no. Not really, no. Well, like, Roma Victor, fucking brilliant. Legion is awesome. The only time I think of Rome is when it collapsed, just like our civilization's about to. 
Oh, typical of you. <laughs> the fucking Mr. Glass is half empty. You don't look at the glory of Imperial Rome no. and the conquests and the victory and the glo- and the beautiful togas. You go, huh, Rome on fire, yeah. just like now. <laughs> Overpaid celebrities, an obsession about chefs. Yeah, all of Rome had an obsession with celebrity chefs. Yeah. But what an absolute load of fucking bollocks statistic that is. I think, well, about, I, I, I think about the Roman Empire. Are you every be... man? I think so. <laughs> oh, God. What a scary world. Yeah. Men don't men reach peak maturity at the age of 12. And then all they think about is sex. Or the Roman Empire. Food. Once a week. And the Roman Empire. And sleep. And when we hit 40, we just, we've got a choice of either finding out, like, getting really into a historical war and making that our identity, or smoking meats. Smoking meats. Yeah, yeah, smoking meats. <laughs> they are all, they're hard to get in the Rizzler, though, aren't That's they? That's not a euphemism, is it? No, no, you know, like, getting some meat, getting some meat, hanging it up, smoking uh, it, make, you know, making that smoked hickory scent your taste. Better off to smoke the pork sword. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'd get a pork sword and smoke that with hickory. I've never smoked meat in my life. And that's well, his friend, Hickory. Well, Hickory that's because you, you've gone down the other route and started watching all the World War II documentaries the same as I have. Uh, <laughs> it happens to us, I'm afraid. I was watching that Nazi thing. What, the Nuremberg rally? Uh, no. The, the Triumph re- of the Will. The very recent one, it's like a 58-minute episode on, I think it might have been Netflix, and it was about the forgotten Holocaust. The secret Holocaust, basically, of when they were getting the... German police officers that oh, were, to kill the people in the hospital beds and the not, yeah hospitals. yeah just they were just rounding up all the fucking Jews basically and taking them into woods and they were getting the order to kill like 1500 point blank shooting them 1500 people in a day men women children getting yeah. women to cuddle their children so they could shoot them at the same time and kill them both and oh. it was fucking awful awful but I sat and fucking watched it and then afterwards I thought well, that's an hour of my life I'm never getting back with any joy in it whatsoever. If you, should, say. you should watch Threads. <laughs> but no, it, it was interesting because it was something I'd never really thought about. We all knew it happened. Yeah, it was the horror. The fact that there was actual video footage of some little bits of it as well was pretty fucking grim. Yeah, the. Um, so you thought you'd share it on the pod and bring everyone else down with you? Yep. On this light, <laughs> fluffy episode. Yeah, on this light, <laughs> fluffy episode. Which, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. The Battle of Carnay, the Romans. 216 BC. You ever heard of Hannibal? Not the guy from the A team, the general. Yeah, yeah, General Hannibal. Probably one of the finest generals of all time, in all fairness. Famously crossed the Alps into Italy with only 40,000 soldiers and some elephants and some mountain tribes he, who hated the Romans he, he recruited. A vast army of around 80,000 men was raised to oppose him, led by two Roman consuls. The problem with the Romans at this point, their command structures, they've sent two guys and they each take it in turns. So one gets a day, then the other has a day. Okay. One of them is an experienced commander. And on the night before this battle, he sets his men up in a strong position on a little ridge. And there's a valley and Hannibal's over the other side of it. Let me guess, the inexperienced one changed the plan. Yep, the next day it was the inexperienced guy's turn, the guy who wanted the glory, glory for Rome, of course, and led his army off that ridge into battle. Into the the valley? Into the valley. So he's got the high defensive position. Yeah, I mean, it's flat ground in the middle. Yeah. But, yeah, he's led him off his strong position and gone, right, everyone form up. We've got the numerical advantage, 80,000 of us, let's go. 
We'll show this upstart Carthaginian what, what the glory of Rome is all about. Well, it's two to one. He, he was good with the numbers, you know. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's, but, what, he's confident. But still, you're giving up your advantage. You want the two to one and the advantage. Mm. You've got more chance of winning. Hannibal's marched all the way from Spain through the Alps down to down to into northern Italy. He can't go anywhere but backwards at this point. All you've got to do is block him off. His yeah. supply lines are stretched. Once he's used all the foragable farmland that you haven't burnt, what's he going to feed his men with? He's got no choice but to retreat. You just keep blocking them off. But no, they went for it. So the Roman general's plan at Carne was to advance and punch through Hannibal's thin battle line putting faith in their much larger infantry force. And Hannibal, in contrast, had prepared quite a genius little complex strategy to counter that. He first ordered his infantry to feign withdrawals in the centre of his formation, drawing the eager Romans towards his crescent-shaped battle line. So he gets his centre, who are made up of his light infantry, to just, just suck them in. Stand, fight, fall back, stand, fight, fall back. And all the time, his better guys are at the flanks, uh. are circling around... As well as his cavalry. Mm. You can see how this goes. Mm. The Romans, unsuspecting, thought they had the Carthaginians on the run and drove their forces deep into this crescent. Hannibal's cavalry then drove off the horsemen who protected the Roman flank and circled around the back of the large Roman force, charging their rear. You won't get this reference, Claire, but anyone else who's seen Game of Thrones, Battle of the Bastards. Mm. The Roman commanders did not realise their mistake in time and the Carthaginian infantry's crescent formation now surrounded at the front, and Hannibal's cavalry was driving into their rear. Roman soldiers were so tightly packed in the trap, they couldn't swing their oh, swords. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Slaughter. At what time do you wake the other guy up and go fucking... <laughs> <laughs> He's probably in the middle of that mess, or at least at the back watching it. Oh. Isn't <laughs> he saying something? <laughs> it's, it's not his day. What can he um. say? It's not his day. Well, surely you can give advice. Hey, look, this is fucking retreat. This is stupid. Yeah. At this point, it's too late. Mm. Oh yeah, he'd be, he'd be, yeah. he'd be running for the hills, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd be, be like, right, I think we need to salvage what we can out of this mess and get the funk out of here. Sixty thousand Romans perished. That's three quarters of your army, isn't it? Yeah. The beautiful thing about the Romans, though, is the next year they'll come back with the same amount of guys. Yeah. They were that efficient at raising and training armies. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it ranks alongside the Battle of the Somme as one of the bloodiest days in Western military history. The Somme was done with machine guns and artillery. Yeah. That was done with swords. Mm. Light and fluffy. Teutonberg mm. <laughs> Forest, another Roman one, but it's a, it's a, it's probably had a, this battle probably had a bigger influence on early European history than any other. The simple reason is the Romans couldn't really now defend the German frontier. You know, across their long military history, few defeats left such an impact on the Romans as that of Varus's legions at the Teutoburg Forest in 9 AD. And upon hearing news of the disaster, the Emperor Augustus famously cried aloud to himself repeatedly while wandering through the halls of his palace, crying and leaning against statues, saying, Quintus Varus, give me back my legions! <laughs> So he gave the Emperor a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Varus made the error of trusting Arminius, a German chieftain serving as his advisor. He's called Arminius, which sounds quite Latin, doesn't it? Because he was a, 
a hostage in his earlier days to Rome. If you, when the Romans came into a, an area and befriended the chief, they go, right, to give us one of your sons as a hostage, make sure you behave yourself. In return, we'll train him to be a Roman, basically. Mm. This guy was a really handy soldier, and he's decided that he'd rather fight for German independence. Maybe he's got his tribe, but then he'd fight, rather fight for Rome. Right. So what about this Arminius? Is he like a, a mole or something? He is a Roman-trained German. Mm. Well, Germanic. 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 Because it was German, yeah. Germania, so, wasn't yeah. it? So the error of trusting him, was it because he was Germanic? Or yeah, he, he, know, he knows the tribes, he knows the mm. area, he was a local chieftain. He can blend in with them, essentially. He can go and, you know, but in the meantime, he's been going around everyone, going, I'm going to march him through the forest. It's only a single track road and there's swamp on the one side of it. Yeah. We'll ambush him in the forest. We'll wipe him out. Good bit of infiltration kind of style, but... That's it. Mm. When Arminius informed him a revolt had begun nearby, Varus marched his army through the Teutoburg forest to deal with the problem. He vastly underestimated the organisation of the Germanic tribes and their ability to use the local terrain. He didn't do any reconnaissance on the forest or even march his army in combat formation. Oh, my word. So the Romans are out of their armour... Then you know they're putting the seals on their back. They're just having a little nice stroll through the German forests. I bet it was really picturesque until a few thousand German soldiers, German tribesmen started screaming at you from the from the trees. It was great until the trees started speaking German. It's just hubris, that isn't it? Yeah. Only a few thousand Romans escaped, and Varus himself was forced to commit suicide during the battle. But three legions are the best part of out, wiped off the Roman army list straight away in an afternoon and a bit. Wow. How many was that? About 15,000 Romans. A few thousand did escape. Say 13,000 casualties. Not as many as Carne, but it's the fact you've lost three legions in one go. Why didn't they put all their bodies back in the days? Either like burned them or buried them. They left them. Well, left them well, like that. Yeah, they have just been That'll munched be by the wildlife. Yeah. You still got bears roaming around at this point, wolves, <laughs> and a fair number compared to what people they are going to loot, loot the bodies. Yeah. Oh, you're having all the armor and the weapons and everything valuable, aren't gold you? Gold teeth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they got gold teeth at this point. No. No idea, actually. Don't know if the Romans mm-hmm. had gold teeth. That's one thing I never think about in that once a week when I'm thinking about the ancient Rome. Maybe you will now. You'll be thinking. Oh, I do. I might do some what research was their on that. Dentistry like. Yeah. What was Roman mm. dentistry like? Well, it makes sense if they were ever going to replace a tooth, they'd do it with gold, wouldn't they? Because it's the most malleable. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It. And it shows a bit of status in it. Yeah. Yeah. It might well have been, mightn't it? Right. Let's fast forward. Take that victory. Armenius' victory prevented the Roman Empire from ever establishing a firm grip on Germania. So. The Germans are still very much in the game on the Rhine against mm. the frontier again, on the frontier against Rome. Rome's got to keep a huge army. It's bleeding them dry financially. And you just lost three of your legions. All contributes to the fall of Rome, sadly, in the long term. Mm. And then, of course, that was a tragedy in itself. Good job, though, really, because if it hadn't have fallen, we'd probably not be here, would we? We might be more advanced. Might be. We might be less advanced. We might be. But yeah, I think I mean, the Romans were ahead of their time, weren't they? We might not have got invaded by the Vikings, by the Normans. Yeah. We could all be speaking Latin then. Mm. 
that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> Let's fast forward to the, the Battle of Agincourt. Mm. You heard of this one? Yeah. Yes, very much so. The French in particular. Morning of 25th of October 1415, the French army at Agincourt would have been expecting a famous victory. Their army greatly outnumbered the English host under Henry V, and they had a much larger force of knights and men-at-arms. The French, however, made a ruinous mistake, i.e. miscalculated the accuracy range and firing rate of the English longbows. Fifteen aimed arrows a minute at 300 metres. They they just picked them off, didn't they, before they could get close? Really did. Each guy's been, each English archer's been doing this since he was about five or six. Because as we, if you remember back from the Robin Hood episode yeah. in yeah. these times, you were males, was it males or was it everyone? Men, you just the men. I would imagine women would have shot as well, they yeah, just wouldn't be but, fighting in there. But males were made to practice yeah. with the longbow, weren't they? Every Sunday, after church, yeah. down the archery butts. Yeah, it was like a proper lesson thing every week that was made by, by the law, the state kind of thing, so... The law of the land. Yeah. Absolutely. I suppose it served them well, didn't it? Yeah. Right, it did. We knew we were a little country that was surrounded by many, many potential hostile nations, so we had to make sure we were fucking our bastards. Well, we had to keep the Welsh and the Scots and the Irish at bay as well. Yeah. Your kingdom at this point is what you can hold together at the point of a sword, isn't it? Yeah. Plus, we've got lands in France from William the Conqueror. Yeah. So, the England was actually quite large at this point because we had a Northern France, a bit of Brittany, a bit of Southern France. Mm. You know, we owned a fair chunk of France. Yeah, he's, he's spanking their asses all the time. <laughs> they didn't use longbows, did they, the French? No, no, they didn't. They hired crossbowmen or had crossbows, which makes sense because you can use a crossbow in like a couple of days. Mm. Training-wise, it's not hard. Yeah. It's just, you know, the, your longbows just like takes you 10 years to master, but all of a sudden you've got thousands of blokes who've mastered it. And you've got three and a half, four foot arrows. Yep. Like small fucking spears, basically. Bodkin Hurt. tips, which go through armor, designed specifically yeah. to go through armor. And I guess. Hurt through the air at a couple of hundred miles an hour. Wouldn't like, with, genuinely wouldn't like to say. With a hell of a lot of force. 15 arrows a minute from each archer, and there's 7,000 of them at Agincourt. And I'm guessing they've got a much longer range than crossbows. No, actually. They? No, they haven't, but. It doesn't matter because by the time they, you, the crossbow would have fired their first shot mm. off, you've closed the range and put seven, ten arrows down at them, mm. and they might have just been, they might have uh, just reloaded. Really slow to reload crossbows. There's a lot of effort involved in pulling the, pulling it, off, yeah. pulling it back. Yeah. There was lots of experiment in them days to make multi-firing crossbows, wasn't there? Yeah, the Chinese did it. Mm. I don't know how they one, did it. One of the only successful ones, though, wasn't it? Yeah. As you can imagine, the logistics of it, psh, fuck it, you need lots of different strings mm. and it's quite a difficult one, isn't it, really? Have you seen that new, or the latest Robin Hood movie? It's an absolute pile of dog shit. It's like, they've got set in the Crusades and it's a... Oh, with the young lad in it. Yeah. Like, you've got, like, English archers going there. It looks like they've got fucking, like, flat jackets on mm. the way their body armour's been... Depicted, mm. and they're going through with their arrows to a ruined city, and then a repeating crossbow on the rooftop opens up at them. And it's like <laughs> this is like Black Hawk Down, but with Robin Hood. 
So what the fuck's this about? It's not the Russell Crowe one, is it? No, no, that was also that. very bad. This has got Tyrone Egerton in it. Yeah, I think. It's the one after it. Yeah. And Jamie oh, Foxx. You got Jamie Foxx in this, being like basically Morgan Freeman, but not Morgan Freeman. I tell you what, if you watch it as a film, as a action fun film, it was all right. If you're watching it as a Robin Hood fan, it was a load of shite. But and I'd say that for both. Both of those two, the Russell Crowe and the, the newer one. They were both decent films, like the action, things like that. Some of it's really, pretty good. But if you watch it as a Robin Hood fan, shite. If you make Kevin Costner his mullet any day. You know what, yeah. I'll give you that, actually. See, <laughs> yeah. one film I'll agree with you that Kevin Costner's a superior actor. <laughs> Although Alan Rickman said he's carried that oh, film. Oh, right, he's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway, yeah, during the battle, the, which had rained the night before, there was a thunderstorm. There's this weird thing the English have where they always win their biggest victories the night after mm. the thunderstorm. Don't know why. So we put loads of the sharpened stakes, the ground's muddy, and the cavalry can't get to them because they're being shot down and then can't get back up again in the mud. And the French men-at-arms are moving very slowly over the muddy ground, separating them from us, the English. And under those conditions, the entire French army was hugely vulnerable to a constant hail of arrows. I think we're talking 20,000 French casualties at Agincourt for a few hundred English. Oof, that's really bad. And, and we were outnumbered quite... Yeah, quite we were kind heavily. of outnumbered, sort of two to one-ish, three to one. Yeah. They lost um, ten times the number of casualties in the English. And they just, yeah, absolutely battered them. And this is where the rumour came from about the old... Flicking the V. Flicking the V thing, mm. because obviously when... How the rumour goes that when any of the English longbowmen were ever caught by the French, they had their oh, yeah, index they finger removed. They, no, they'd have the two V fingers, they'd, they? sit, they'd the, take the fingers. And then one of the things was, like, in the battlefield, the English bowmen would stick their fingers up at the French, saying, ah, i got my bow fingers, kind of thing. But it is actually a load of bollocks. It? Yeah, it was proved to be a load of bollocks. It is just much newer swear, mm. swear which we says fuck off. Well, of course it is because Churchill used to do it, didn't he? Yeah, victory, victory, victory wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But now it's the other way round now, isn't it? For victory, and that's peace, isn't and it? that's if you turn it round, it's peace. Oh yeah, that one's either V for victory yeah. or go fuck yourself. But it couldn't, yeah. but it couldn't have meant fuck you at that time because Churchill would have just been going fuck you to his supporters, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 Instead of victory. Yeah. You know that it had to be. It, mu- it must be post World War Two, unless it's a really clever thing where it's like I'm telling the Germans to go fuck themselves, <laughs> and every person in England is knows how to yeah. give the V. So it's like maybe that was a thing. Turn it around, give it a positive spin for the six years it lasted. I don't know. I actually don't know why he did the V. He was just hinting to his reptilian overlords, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. The v. They hadn't contacted V as a TV show at that point. Like. <laughs> that was leaked later. <laughs> oh, Napoleon. Charles of Light Brigade is a good one. Yeah, we'll have that next. Napoleon, Napoleon's invasion of Russia. Napoleon conquered a lot of Europe. You know, it was only the Brits and the Portuguese fighting on one side down on the Spanish peninsula, and the Spanish, of course, and the Austrians and the Russians trying to Fight on the other, but Napoleon, the master of Europe. Even though I think he was a bit overrated personally, historically, I'm a, I voted on that. Maybe he was really inspirational. Maybe he could like drum up, you know, good vibe within the he army. Was. He, was he was good at sol- talking, wasn't he? The soldiers loved him. He was one of them. He come from 
Like, he didn't come from humble beginnings. That's, he was an aristocrat, but well-to-do anyway. Mm. But Corsican was uh, looked down on a little bit by the, main, by the mainland French. Why did he lose his arm? He didn't lose his arm. He just used to keep it tucked That's in. Nelson, oh. isn't it? Oh, sorry. Nelson, Nelson lost his arm in battle, Claire. Like every other one of Nelson's injuries, because despite being like five foot five, really weedy and asthmatic, turns out he was a fucking killer with a sword. <laughs> and he was just a double hard little bastard. Yeah, he was double hard. <laughs> Shot through the spine and still managed to fucking survive to the end of the battle. That's actually a military blunder, technically, Trafalgar. We were, yeah. Oh, good, Trafalgar. The hero of it died. Yeah. Sort of a shame. So Napoleon basically set out with 685,000 men, which was probably one of the largest armies assembled in Europe for a hell of a long time. Yeah. Mad, isn't it? If not the biggest at that point. He crossed the Neyman River and began the invasion. And the Russians didn't fight him, really. They put up a few scraps of resistance here and there. He won at Austerlitz, although that was actually, no, that was after that. So no, The Russians didn't fight him. He's burnt all the farmland in front of him. What happens when you're in Russia and you're trying to get to Moscow and all your supplies run out? You're fucked. Yeah, yeah, you're fucked. So they get to Moscow. They do make it there. They winter in Moscow and the Russians have burnt it and taken all the fuel. Mm. So they got nothing. And he decides, I've got to get the fuck out of here. I can't, I can't win this. And he does. And on the way back, the Russian winter sets in. All them Cossacks start coming out of the snow and charging your marching columns. Who ain't used to it whatsoever. Who are freezing their balls off, they've got no shoes, there's reports of cannibalism. I'm saying they'd be starving as well. All the horses have been eaten, everything's been eaten, this is what they can find, and maybe each other, we'll never know for sure. And they suffered 500,000 casualties. Fuck. Out of the 685,000 men. I bet a lot of that was to starvation and the weather. Yeah. You just get soldiers just dropping out of line and not getting up again. Yeah. In the snows and the snow would cover them and that'd be it, yeah. Fuck. You see, this that's what cost him because he's assembled this massive army that yeah. could have gone the other way to Spain and outnumbered the Allied forces in Spain by like four or five to one. Mm. It's not the first time the Russian winter saved their asses. It's it? not. We've got the channel, the Russians have got the winter. <laughs> You'd think Hitler would have learnt a lesson, wouldn't you? You'd think that, but they, they did have a bit of a superiority complex. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement of the century. Okay. As Pete said, charge of the Light Brigade. Into the Valley of Death rode the 600. I don't actually know a lot about this, to be fair. Well, basically, you've got the Battle of Balaclava going on. The Crimean War. British and Britain and France... Let me just say, the Battle of Balaclava, did they wear balaclavas? No, but they were invented for this conflict. Yeah, it is where it came from. It is. Because a lot of British soldiers, well, a lot of people died because of the shitty weather in the Crimea, rather than enemy action. It wasn't to be ninjas or anything, it was for protection Mm. of your face more than anything, wasn't it? It was just to try and keep some of the sand and... Nasties and warm you up, keep your face warm. <laughs> Even your glorious Victorian British moustache is doing fuck all in this scenario. At night, it really drops, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's the Crimea. This it's Crimean Peninsula is the bottom of Russia. Yeah. Oh, so so oh, it was, so it was like snowy. Tundra. I thought yeah. I always I always had deserty. No, it's snowy. Reason. It's cold. Right. It's wet. The desert there. As well. 
it's got that sort of those plains, hasn't it? But yeah, in the winter, all that's covered with snow. I've probably only ever seen sepia photos, which is probably why I've always assumed it was desert. But we're in full. We're, the cool thing about this is we're in full. Russia's big, big, but it's not that big. <laughs> well, Russia has got deserts. I was just saying there is yeah, desert in Russia. Where? There's, there's down the bottom, down towards, towards the bottom. China, yeah. Yeah, down towards uh, the bottom. Mongolia, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay, so there are deserts in Russia. They've got a bit of everything, haven't they? They are, are they? But, yeah, most of it's just really fucking cold, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Crimean War, it's Britain, France and Turkey versus the Russians. Britain and France fighting together after the after we fought each other to a standstill only, like, 30, 40 years before that. What was it, over? We... Land. A piece of cheese. The Turkish were like, the Russians want our stuff. Want our I hand. want my cheese. No, I want my cheese. No, I want my cheese, you bastard. No. <laughs> the Russians don't eat cheese. They only eat vodka. You did the French, right? Yeah, yeah. You no, know. I didn't do the Russian. The Russian, the Russian was going to be, I need the cheese to make my vodka. V- vodka. V- vodka. 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 Visa W's. <laughs> What, what cheese what? vodka? What? <laughs> Either way, it's basically because the British didn't like the fact the Russians were creeping into the Middle East via Turkey. Mm. So we we'd been itching for a scrap of the Russians. It's lasted a long time that <laughs> war, hadn't it? Yeah. Really? Because we've got eighteen fifty four. So we've mm. got loads of stuff in the Middle East and India, of course, over to the other side. Mm. The French are just like, well, we're allies. Probably got some colonial interests at hand too. North Africa, probably. And the Turks are like, they're attacking us and we need some help. Mm. So we got a war with the Russians and we fight the Battle of Balaclava. The British Light Cavalry Brigade charges the, charges down three sides. You can see the, We can see the illustration, listener, but you can go online and find it. There's three sides of Russian artillery. They're charging down a valley. There's 600 of them. <laughs> yeah. Imagine how that goes. Because yeah, you haven't just got cannonballs, you've got grape shot, and that's like load like a canister of musket balls mm. shoved down the cannon. That acts like a giant shotgun. Oh, fuck. It's going to shred everything, isn't it? You're all packed together in lines, charging down three sides. They did reach the artillery. You can argue that it wasn't a complete fuck up mm. because they did take some guns, and then the heavy brigade came in and rescued them. But it's still a fucking disaster. It's basically a miscommunication in the chain of command, this one. The general sends out a runner to the Earl of Cardigan, who's in charge of the Light Brigade. This guy and Cardigan don't like each other because he had an aff- the general had an affair with the dude's sister. <laughs> so he's like, there's a, and there's a weird sort of drop in the land, so it would have, he said, right, the orders are you take your brigade, charge the guns, take the guns, stop them firing. And he's like, what, those guns? Because like, he can see. He goes, he goes down that valley against them guns. And he's like, there you're... The, the captain, he turns around to this fucking light cavalry general and says, there's your enemy, sir, there's your guns. And he goes, okay, all right, them are the orders, are they? So he's, off they go. At the last minute, just before they break into the full gallop, the captain comes charging across the front and he's shouting something... And we'll never know what he was shouting. I fucked your sister! <laughs> no, he, 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 the general had fucked his sister. Oh! He's <laughs> fucked my sister. No, we'll never find out what he was saying. Probably he was going to shout out, stop the charge, because he then saw the land and thought, shit, 
there's a lot of guns there's a lot of guns, guns, down, guns there. down there and I may hate this guy but he's entirely there's the 600 blokes I've got no issue with and he's probably going to shout stop what are you doing stop the charge he gets taken out by a exploding shell oh. into the chest he's the first casualty of the charge oh, man. so they just go for it Oh, that's it. Once I've seen that blood spill, they're mm. like, fucking for his sister! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a real Frodo moment, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, the next one, and the final one we'll do tonight, we'll carry this on as a two-parter, is me and Mike were watching a bit of YouTube the one day, I popped around the week, Stick a documentary on for a little bit, and we found out. Oh, the, what's the War of the Triple Alliance? It's fought in South America in between eighteen sixty-five and eighteen seventy. Yeah, never heard of it. No, never heard of it. So I was like, all right, we'll watch this. So we're still using kind of Napoleonic technology here, a little bit better. Maybe your muskets are rifled now, but you're still muzzle loading. You still got cavalry, still got traditional cannons. Yeah. Paraguayan President Francisco Lopez took his tiny nation into war. With Uruguay, Argentina, and Brazil. Mm-hmm. He's up against it straight away there, isn't he? And he's also smack in the middle of all them guys. <laughs> the Allied forces, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, Argentina, march into Paraguay proper, and Lopez, the president, and his army continue to pull back deeper into the interior because you're outnumbered by a fair bit. Mm. You've got three nations against you, three of the big boys against you. <clears throat> And so you pull back into the interior. Makes sense. Now, except for a quickly repulsed Paraguay attempt at an ambush on a mud-soaked flat floodplain called the Estero Blanco, the only major hostilities are those that erupted between the Argentinian President Mitre and his Uruguayan counterpart Flores because they both wanted to be in charge. Huh. No. This sets the scene for a triple alliance fuck-up, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So Lopez, the guy who's in charge of Paraguay, is marshalling his forces to the north of Teuti, whereas he's hoping to reverse his fortunes. The ensuing battle of Teuti would begin in earnest on May 24th and would be the largest battle of the war. And for Lopez, i.e. the Paraguayans, it was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> yeah, it's not known as the slaughter at Teuti for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Against all... So... You've got difficult swampy terrain, right? So you've got to wade through swamp in this where he chooses to fight. And instead of going, right, well, let's make them come to us. Let's have them wading through the swamp very slowly and we'll cut them down with cannon and musket fire. Makes sense? You're defending, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you're there first, make make the most of that, eh? Make the best of your defensive position. Yep. That's, you know, you're outnumbered anyway. You want to come attack us, you've got to get through this swamp. We've all played Rome Total War, you know. <laughs> we all know how it works. Ah, Rome. <laughs> In all fairness, I did talk about Rome Total War last week with my friend Lee. There you go then, you thought about it. <laughs> so, I've got to kind of give you that for that fact earlier. I just want to dress like a centurion. No one's stopping you. <laughs> Society's stopping me, Mike. Not about the togas again. I don't know. Yes, nowadays, the togas. Nowadays, do you think anyone would bat an eyelid if you walk? If around? I start walking around town with a massive horsehair plume and a steel helm, and I don't I... think anyone would look at you any differently. I think they might do, mate. You seen the way people dress nowadays? I'm bringing back style, at least. You'd get away with it, I reckon. I do. I think you would. 
Just put a little bit of makeup on. No one wear makeup. No one's going to see my face anyway. It's between the good and cheap pieces coming down, haven't you? <laughs> Just go regular toga. Tone it down to sort of casual wear. Right, I want to wear a sword. And a little, what's it, olive? Is it Laurel wreath. I've wreath? told you, you can't kill Welshmen in the streets <laughs> anymore. It's For not, God's sake. The law changed <laughs> a thousand years ago. <laughs> uh, back, to, back, to, back to South America. And enough of my fantasies of power dressing. Dress for the job you want. Exactly. Exactly. Back forward in times the 1860s. I'd definitely go for the British field marshal, the red coat, gold braid, mm-hmm. sash, you know, would look nice. Anyway, right, back to Toyota. It was an unmitigated disaster. Against all military sense, Lopez bullied his officers into going on the offensive in this swampy ground where advancing is slow. By ordering his troops to attack, El Supremo, as he called himself, <laughs> forced them to advance the same natural obstacles that might have given his adversaries pause. Instead, the Allies dug in, and the Paraguayans were left with no alternative but to hurl themselves at the entrenched position with virtually no artillery support. Oh. Mainly cavalry, wasn't it? A lot of cavalry, yeah. yeah. Three attacks that cavalry made, <laughs> virtually wiped out to the last man. But you're charging cavalry through swamp. Into cannon and musket fire. Yeah. Massed cannon and musket fire. Through a swamp. <laughs> and your infantry are going up the other side. <laughs> And they're not doing so well either. Plunging forward in a series of waves, the heat of the noonday sun, so you're going in at the, the, the hardest point of the day as well, beating down upon them. Lopez's troops doggedly slogged through the reed-choked thickets as their adversaries opened fire. For every yard they gained, the Paraguayan ranks were decimated by shot and shell, and the closer they got to the Allied positions, the more terrible the carnage became. Those few hardy souls who managed to get within reach of the Allied positions found themselves blasted to pieces by withering volleys of rifle fire and entire battalions were lost. A battalion is at least five to six hundred men. Mm. On paper, eight hundred, usually because of recruitment issues. It's five to six hundred. And, and at what point did someone not just think... <laughs> You know, retreat or come well, back or abort. It's the El Supremo's word, isn't it? You're yeah. not going to go back. You can't go back on his word, is he? He's El Supremo. He's El Supremo. <laughs> the name kind of says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. So his generals are obviously saying, "No, this is a stupid idea." Why don't we just sit here? But he bullied them into saying, "Look, I'm El Supremo. I'm making decisions. You got to go." And what you know, say you're actually on on. Oh, say you're on the battlefield. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah, and you're one of the people at the back, and you're seeing all this carnage. You, you know, you pie. can't just fucking. No, off. you'll get shot for desertion. Oh. Yeah. There you go. And that's why your officers are dead. <laughs> yeah. Let's frag a few officers on the way. Well, no, I mean, if you might have to go a little. If you go a little bit forward, the officers will be at the front leading the example. I just, just need the loom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna go in that bush. Just, just do a black adder basically, you just go hide in a barn <laughs> and then kill the king. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Everybody's shitting themselves around you, I won't worry about that. Well, dysentery was well, quite a big thing in them days, wasn't it? Plus, when you die, you, you explode your bowels normally, so. Yeah. The stench of blood and shit is the currency of war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, our faces are like, <laughs> War as hell. It is. It was a pointless slaughter. By the time the order to retreat was given, 
6,000 Paraguayans lay dead in a hideous sprawl, with an equal number of wounded thrashing about in the blood-soaked mud. In a single afternoon, Lopez, El Supremo, had managed to throw away an entire army. He would never field another of equal strength. Well, obviously. No one fucking joined his army after that. I ain't fucking joined the army, Jesus. That's a, that's just the case of a madman ordering people to the slaughter, isn't it? I mean, yeah. yep. there's mistakes, and then there's just some lunatic in charge. Why he thought he could take on three large countries that surrounded him. What a loony. Yeah. Yep. So let's end that one for the week. We'll do some fucked up facts. Okay, theme tune, please. Facts, 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 fucked up facts, facts, facts. Fucked up facts. Go on then, Mike. some knowledge. The winner of the 1977 National Coal Queen Beauty Contest. So National Coal sponsors in this. So National Coal, this country. I assume it is. National Coal were the sponsors of like the Miss Great Britain competition. Okay. Well, they had their own beauty contest. Yeah. Uh, did he have to do blackface like a miner? <laughs> I kind of doubt it. Yeah. It's a different time. It's a different time. Well, she won her weight in Baby Sham. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. Probably not a lot, to be fair. She probably only weighed about five stone. A few crates. What, what year was it? 77. Oh, she, yeah, she weighed more than five stone. It wasn't straight after the war or anything. No. All right, well, okay, well, that's not bad, I suppose. <laughs> Just something a bit random. Just a yes. <laughs> the Japanese water scavenger beetle right. can survive being eaten alive by a frog. Mm. Can anyone think of how it... Eats escapes? the frog from the inside. It, it, poops, it gets pooped out. Yes. Never. It stimulates the frog's anus so it can be excreted and escape unharmed. So it gives a frog a prostate exam <laughs> from the inside. Yeah. And this can take as little as six minutes. Wow, so that frog's like, oh man, that beetle. Oh, it's gone oh, straight through me. Got, my stomach's cramping up bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of shit comes out as he leaps to the leaf. And he's like, oh no, I'm not going to make it. In 1927, Chicago mayoral candidate William Hale Thompson held a debate with two live rats, arguing the rats were no worse than his opponents. He also made a campaign promise to punch King George V on the nose if he ever met him. That's <laughs> <laughs> so right. a character, doesn't he? He does. I mean, the rat thing I kind of like. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to argue with these rats instead because my opponent's a twat. I get that. Punching the king in the face, I mean, I don't know what he's going to get out of that. I don't think he's going to get close enough to. And if he did, he'd just been killed. Instantly. I think someone might have shot him yeah, in be... 1927. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think someone might have shot him. Very quickly. President or not, or whatever, mayor or what, if, no chance. Using ground-up basalt as a fertiliser on fields, not only increases yields, but sprinkling it on half the world's farms would capture as much carbon as Germany and Japan combined. Emit annually. Hmm. How much damage are we doing by getting that stuff out of the ground, though, to grind yeah, it up? It's like electric cars, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, they use no, not spewing stuff out, but the amount of pollution they they make, they create to make them, yeah, yeah. kind of offsets it in a, a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. 
because you've got to get that stuff out of the ground in one country, you make the batteries, transport it somewhere else. Hey, it's all being shipped across. Giant lithium batteries and that. You, you know, know what I mean? Then it's being dug out the ground by some kids in Africa. Yeah. Barehanded. You know, it's like... I mean, it's good. Anything we can do, I guess, you know? Yeah, every little helps. <laughs> Don't bitch at me for not recycling politicians when you fly around in a private jet, and celebrities for that matter. Yeah. When you fly around in a private jet, don't bitch at me for putting a cardboard box in with the normal stuff. Right, woman. Bullhead sharks lay corkscrew shaped eggs. Cool. Mm. Ooh, got a picture. Ace. That's pretty cool. Mm hmm. Silvery looking, but that's well, it. Coming out, right? Mm. I bet, yeah. <laughs> no, I bet it comes out like a corkscrew. Mm. It just screws out. Yeah, yeah. and then just drops. Drops out. Nice floats off. Yeah. Floats down. Yeah. Sharks, eh? Beautiful. Mm. Do an episode on sharks one day. Mm. Jaws, maybe. <laughs> In 1927, Helen Shelby filed a patent for an interrogation device. All right. It was a human-operated skeleton with red light bulbs in the eyes, Ace. a megaphone in the mouth, and a camera in the skull to record the confession. Hey, so he's and a sc- gun in the other hand. <laughs> You're going to scare the prisoner with a ghost skeleton. That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds, yeah. Confess, I'm a ghost skeleton. <laughs> I am the victim, I'm the murder victim. I'm getting Terminator vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Terminator. Proto-Terminator. Yeah. Mm. Fuck's sake. In 1910, US Representative Robert F. Broussard introduced a bill to the US Congress to allow the importation of hippos into Louisiana. It's a bold move. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Are they native? No. Why would they do that then? Well, he thought the creatures would eat invasive water hyacinths yeah. And the Americans would enjoy lake cow bacon. So. <laughs> I bet they would. You know what? Hippo bacon. I'd never thought about that once a week before. I'd go into from now on. Yeah, you never thought about on. it before, ever. I never thought about it at all. But now I am thinking about it. I'm thinking, hmm. I wonder how hippo tastes. I wonder what hippo bacon tastes like. Oh. But it's nice, isn't it? Plenty of fat on them, isn't there? Do you think if you keep them like the, the seawater ones, because hippos, can they go into fresh water only or or salt as well? I couldn't you know, tell could, you. Could affect the taste of the meat. Well, <laughs> pre-salted for storage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're breathers, aren't they? They're yeah. air breathers, so that uh, salt water wouldn't affect them anymore. So no manatees it? can go into salt or, or what's it called, can't they? You probably find it's the same with salt or fresh maybe all I'm thinking about is I couldn't kill a baby hippo for bacon baby hippos are really cute aren't they you you couldn't do it and the hippo is only like I don't know on the evolutionary scale not far from a manatee yeah really it's a bit of a similarity isn't there well a hippo it's just like well a a manatee is like uh, a sea cow a hippie a hippie (laughs) a hippo with no fucking legs yeah they're the most de- one of the most dangerous creatures in the world, though, aren't they? Hippos, Which yeah, a people, yeah. A lot of people don't realise that. Don't pet the hippo. <laughs> very, very territorial, and yeah. they will kill you. You want wild hippos roaming around? Fuck. You're living that. in Louisiana. 
just to eat the invasive hyacinths. Yeah, it's yeah, but hippo bacon. <laughs> Bit of a stupid notion, isn't it? That one hippo bacon. I like that notion, but yeah, roaming round Louisiana, not not so much. It's only in the swamps, isn't it? They're going to start popping into town with bottom eggs. Well, they might do. <laughs> then you're all getting gored by hippo tusks. Oh, it's, it's natural selection, isn't it? <laughs> only the strongest survive. See, they've got like really, really dirty mouths as well, haven't they? Mm. So if they did bite you... Well, they think they'd call me a slut and they bit me. <laughs> <laughs> you old slut. No, it, 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 they're, a bit like, they're a bit like, oh, what are they called? The Komodo dragons. No, so you get an infection, it, basically. If the bite itself doesn't kill you, chances are the infection will because, yeah, they're not, they don't have the cleanest yeah. of tusks. Mm. Mr. Hippo needs a toothbrush. I get on it. Start. Expect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not all fruit sold in the UK is vegan. How can you not have vegan fruit? Mm. Has it been in contact with meat? Well, beef tomato. You know. <laughs> oh. Terrible. Yeah, it has been in contact with meat. Some supermarkets coat citrus fruit in shellac which is derived from insects to make it shinier and more appetising. So you're smearing... Uh, what's, I don't Insects. know what shellac is. Insect... I think they grind it down, yeah. mush it up, turn it into a bit of a, a spray. Yeah. It's like, used on nail varnish as well. Insect yeah, carapace, perhaps, I don't know. Is that that spray Morrison's do? You don't really eat that <laughs> bit. Of, you don't really eat the pith, do you? So You don't really eat the mm, peel true. as such. It's a citrus fruit. Yeah, you don't eat orange peel as such. I don't know why. You I might eat spray lemons a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there's a time I've come round here and Mike's been eating a raw lemon. Just like an apple kind <laughs> of thing. Just biting into it. Bitter and all. Seeds, everything just goes. But is an apple class as citrus fruit? No. Yeah. Isn't it? An apple's an apple. <laughs> apple's an apple. Yeah, an it is an apple, where yeah. I come from. Yeah, where, where we live is an apple. So and back in the Shire with the hobbits. <laughs> but a lot of people do use lemon rind and orange rind. For things in the, in the, I no, I know you, you, you do put it in cooking, but you fucking wash it first, don't you? you? Get you get you do actually. One of the things, if you are going to use it in thing, you always wash it under hot water because that melts away the waxy outer. It's one of them things. Wash it in hot water. Oh, I don't know. I'm not a fruit guy. I'm especially not a citrus fruit guy. Lemon drizzle cake. I like that. Mm, tasty. They put the rind in that. You haven't made cake yeah. for us for a while. I feel a lemon drizzle cake coming on. Oh, okay. I'm making cake next week for Shelby's birthday, so she's having a cake I yeah with a Barbie before. leaning over it, two little miniature like alcohol bottles on it, and then she's gonna be like Barbie's gonna have like mascara and everything all over it, and then like hundred thousand sick coming down the game. <laughs> <laughs> would Barbie puke in hundreds of thousands? Yeah, I think she would. She would. <laughs> sure. Speaking of puking, the Champagne region of France is home to the village of Boozy. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's not spelt booze though, is it? It's where B O U I S E or something. B O U Z Y. Oh, well, I Boozy in Champagne. In 2022, John Hems set the world record for the longest functioning 
tin can telephone. <laughs> I wonder how long that was then. 373.74 metres, just no using way. yoghurt pots. And it still worked. Well, it's just about the tautness of the string mm. though, isn't it? If you can keep it taut. Is he going to waste a colossal waste of fucking time and energy? How are you going to keep it taut? He must, have, sort of? he must have had it pegged up with something. He must have had like pegs or something. Must have. Um, and, and they test it by you saying whatever you're saying in one end, and then if the guy at the other end gets the message, it's still working. Yeah, basically. Mm. What very, a colossal. Well of all the things we could be looking into. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's. We've got mobile phones now. Yeah, I don't Do need. We really to... need to worry about investing in our time on. I haven't got walking up the O's with a yogurt pot and a roll of string. You want to keep in contact. <laughs> To be fair, though, we've all done it with our kids, haven't you? I don't think I have, actually. Yeah, well, I haven't made kids, though. Yeah, I did it a couple of years ago. Well, had some string, and I was like, I know, let's do this. The kids will enjoy this for ten minutes. And they did, yeah, for about ten minutes. Get through the A4 metres of string, you can have a crack at the record. I'm going to do it. I'm going right. to do it. Go on then, Mike, one more. Yep, yeah, right this one. One of the largest birds of all time lived 15 million years ago. And it was a giant goose. Oh, fuck me, that would have been angry. Lady golden eggs. <laughs> it is, a matter of fact, actually. <laughs> well, it was called the Demon Duck of Doom. Oh, God, it sounds scary. No, it would be. It's, it's an angry goose. Yeah, it does look scary. Yeah, it fucking does. A triple... Tri <laughs> He's the triple D threat, isn't he? Triple D. Triple D. Yeah. <laughs> Only usually seen in pornography nowadays. <laughs> demon duck of death. Any and any more facts about this demon duck of death? That's could it break got. your arm? It was a geese, a goose. I imagine so. You swallow your hole. It's not breaking your arm. How big was it? Did it not it say? Didn't say no. That's no good. It could have been like three inches taller than the average goose now, couldn't it? It looked you know, pretty still uh, be a big goose. Or it could be just a bit bigger than a swan. Or it could have been as tall as a man. I wouldn't know. If it was as tall as a man, that'd be a sobering thought. The, the back of it is as tall as the man. Just the, and then, then, then the head comes off. Because you could ride it then. That's true, you could. the research on that particular <laughs> animal. Yeah, I'm looking for it now. Cool. That's me whipping it its ass. It's like, it's like trying to make it go faster. Demon Duck of Doom Charge! There's like 50 of you on them riding yeah. along. I prefer the Demon Duck him. of Death. You fly him, It really was a Demon Duck of Death. It was over 3 metres, 9.8 feet. Fuck me. Well, humans weren't around at that point, surely. No, not 15 million years ago. Oh, there, there we go. So no riding them. What if That's we get that pretty time Pretty cool machine? if you did. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't they just discovered a, a fossilised tooth that might like really change the history of humankind? I have no idea. Why? Yeah, yeah, I saw it the other day. Oh, I, I, should have had it I, should, I should have had it, yeah. I wish I didn't. Why aren't they cloned? Have they got some DNA of these demon ducks? <laughs> no you just want to ride one? Clone them for war. War? Why have a war with you males, man? Because it's the way we're cut, wired. We could cut out like loads of plain, you know. And oh, fly them. Fly them. <laughs> <laughs> we're going was to think, Spain. I was thinking you were going to go down the. We could cut out loads of world hunger with that, couldn't we? Like no. a, a goose that could feed like a whole village 
One goose. Mm. Oh, no, it? she goes down there. We can fly him! To the beach! <laughs> Unlikely. This is Drummond, your latest demon duck is about to depart from gate eight. Give <laughs> <laughs> me a gate eight hundred and forty three. You'd have like a like it'd be like just a gate for each yeah. one, like. I just want to fucking sit on one with a sword. That'd be cool. See, bend with me. I'd go with a javelin. Be more effective with a winged. winged you would, but you're going to want a sword as backup. There's mm. no one to fight, guys. Everyone's just going on fucking holiday. <laughs> on, a, on a demon what duck. Happens if on a gets, demon duck. What happens if someone gets air rage? That's so hard enough. I might demon, need that sword. Dude, the demon duck will sort them out. Yeah. Hey, all right. Look, you can you can have a show or something, a, you know, a reality TV show with demon ducks fighting. How about that? Well, I don't want to see the animals hurt each other. Not eat, not each other. You're getting rode by people. I don't want to see this. Oh, right. Either way, I just want to sit on one and wield a sword. What's wrong with that? Oh, that it, one, it, it just implies that you want to kill something. Not necessarily. Or he invades Paris. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mention that, but it's a good idea now you've brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that bombshell. <laughs> uh, I've been Ben. Thanks for listening. Don't do the favourite. Don't join a call. Join us for part two next week. Part two next week, absolutely. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Better for to be with you. And I've been there. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it's filled without your ears. I've been Pete. Didn't just without your ears. Just pop it back up and stick it. Just jam it back in there. It'll be fine. <laughs>